You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. We are in Proverbs. We are in the book of Proverbs. Today is a little different, and the upcoming weeks are going to be a little bit different because we are uh, we're kind of diving into some of the specific ways that Proverbs deals with life, okay? We've kind of set the stage over the last four or five weeks with Proverbs talking about kind of the overall philosophy of how Proverbs is used, wisdom in general. We're, we're talking about living through the noise of life and the way Proverbs is structured is that the first nine chapters are set up. They're introducing the Proverbs. And so you'll notice once you get to Proverbs 10, it says the Proverbs of Solomon. And you're like, oh, I thought I've already had nine chapters of that. Well, not really. Starting in chapter 10 through the end of the book, it's all these just punctuated sayings. Proverb, 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 proverb. Some of them are linked together a little bit more tightly. Some of them are just scattered all over the place. And so as we dive into some more specifics about how these things work themselves out in our lives, we're not just able to hone in on one text and build off of that. That would typically be how we do things, but rather than the way Proverbs is structured, we will take topics and unpack them as they unfold in Proverbs and really in other places throughout Scripture. So that's, that's the plan for the next several weeks, and today is all about words, all about speaking, all about the tongue. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going we're gonna to dive in to see what the Lord has for us today. Let's go to him. Oh God, we thank you already for uh, just meeting us, for the time of worship, for the time of connecting with one another, even though it's different you're still with us, and you, we are connected in ways and by you to where it, just being in the same room is refreshing. But also with our brothers and sisters who are spread out throughout our area, our state, our country, our world, for those that are tuning in, we just, uh, we know that distance does not separate us because you unite us. And so now, God, I just ask for your word to be alive in us, to be fresh, to breathe, to, to, to breathe change in us, awakening, wisdom, things we need so much. We need you and your spirit. We give this day to you, and we ask for your grace to be with us, to hear what we need to hear change what needs to be changed through your spirit, for your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, a lot going on in the world. One of the big things happening, maybe not so big, but at least in terms of digital life, is the play Hamilton is now available for everyone to see. Uh, has anybody watched it yet? Anybody seen it? Yep. Okay. So, some. If you haven't, I think it's pretty incredible. Uh, it, it's definitely a unique 
play. It's a musical. Um, it's on Disney Plus now, so that was kind of the big thing. And if you've ever tried to see it like live, it's just impossible, or you needed lots and lots of money to do it um, in, in New York. But now it's accessible, and so we actually, our family watched it over the last week. Uh, I think they actually, some of them have watched it multiple times. Um, and besides just the story, what stands out in the musical is, is really just how many words are, are a part of this. And I, I won't spoil anything. It was funny. I was talking with someone the other day, and they're like, yeah, you know, Hamilton gets, it's the story of Alexander Hamilton. Do you know what happens to him in his real life? He gets shot. Okay, and it happens right in the, yeah, spoiler alert. So someone got us like, spoiler, I was like, it's history, man. Like, it's, it's not a spoiler. But um, besides just the interesting story, there's so many words that exist in this musical. Like not, I'm not saying like it's just a little bit out there. It is crazy what they do and the writing, the, the musicality, it's, it's fantastic. And the typical play or a musical will have somewhere between like 5,000 to 7,000 words total, maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit more, 8,000. But Hamilton has 20,000 words that come out in the, uh, the few hours that this play goes. They're averaging 144 words a minute. There's, the whole thing is music. It's all music. It's all singing. And some of the songs are so like packed in. The fastest song that they have averages, averages six words Per second. It's crazy. It's like, it's unreal. And, and so one of the challenges when you're watching it is it's just hard to pick up on everything that's happening. It's hard to understand all that's coming in because you're just, you're fascinated by lights and singing and dancing. And then there's content being driven at you. And it is, it is challenging that to, to process it all. And as I was watching Hamilton, thinking about Hamilton, going like, this has been, it's a pretty historic play. It's broken all kinds of records and, and whatnot. I was just going, man, this is, this is so similar to life. There's so much coming at us. So many words, so many ideas, so much. It's hard. It's hard to process. It's hard to filter. And this is really what we've been talking about for the last five weeks. There's so much noise. There's so many words, so many ideas. Yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to know what to do. It's hard to know how to even think in the middle of all of it. And so, look, Lord knows we need help with this. When we think about the, the area of communication, we need help. Under the best circumstances, communication's hard. Even when it's slow and deliberate, it's hard. So never mind, now you, you, know, you have a, a play uh, where words are just coming at you like a machine gun, like ba 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 ba, and you can't even pick all of it up. And some, I mean, that's, that's a lot of our relationships are like that. A lot of our environments are like that. We're just, we're trying to take in all the stuff that's coming at us, and it, it makes communication that much more difficult. And then you add in the fact that we're all coming from different experiences. We're all coming from different cultures. We're coming with different biases and different, different elements that just shape the way we see things. And then you add on to that 
all the different platforms that we have to communicate on. I mean, it's hard enough, right? Just me speaking to you with words, with tone. You can see my face or half my face, depending on where we're at. You can, but now you add in email, you add in social media, you add in texting, it changes everything. And, and whereas we just, we want to say what we want to say and you to just understand, the other person to just get it and understand it, it just doesn't always work like that. Do you know that when, I mean, I've had to learn this over the years because sometimes I'm misunderstood. Oftentimes, I can be misunderstood face-to-face, but then especially over these other digital platforms. And there are, there are new rules that exist that I didn't even know about before. And so I would, I would say something in an email or a text message. Do you know if you put a period in a text message, it can really send the wrong signal? Did you know that? All my... All my you know, those who are like maybe just under 40 and down, they, they understand this. Because I would send something, and if I would say, if someone asked me a question, I would say, I don't know, period. They'd come back and say, why are you so mad? I'd be like, I, I don't, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, well, you're period. It makes it seem like you are, you're putting, and so there are these, there are these rules now that, that exist that, that we may not even know about. And so we're inadvertently at times alienating all those who are around us. And so we can take the posture of just going, well, I'm not going to change. You're just going to have to, fit, you know, <laughs> this is who I am, and I'm not, I'm not changing the way I've done things. And you're just going to have to get over it. Or we start to think about what life is like in community and we realize that there are changes that we all have to make in order to love one another, in order to live life together. See, that's, I believe, wisdom. And I think it's exactly what scriptures are talking to us about. See, last week we, we, we had this scripture in Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. It said, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And I had someone come up after uh, service last week and said, man, it was so good, but like, I, I, wish I wish we could have dove in a little bit more on how we bind this around our neck. How do we bind steadfast love and faithfulness around our neck? How do we write it on the tablet of our heart? And I think that's, that's exactly what we're talking about today. Because what I said last week was the big marker for binding around your neck steadfast love and faithfulness, what, what identifies that, mostly the biggest characteristic is that it's visible. It's visible to the world around you. Yeah, when you bind something around your neck, it's close, it's personal, but it's not just about you. It is seen. It's, it's this big chain that is attached to you, and it's screaming a message. And one of the ways that we bind steadfast love and faithfulness around our neck is by the way that we talk. And the words that we use and how we use those words, when to put a period, when to not, and put, you know, emojis and exclamation points. And uh, it's hard, but it's important how we speak, how we communicate. It is a huge indicator of what we believe. 
Do you know words are a gift? They're a gift to us. God gave us language. He gave us words. He gave us, I mean, it's how he speaks to us. It's how we understand him, and it's how we engage with one another and really how we speak back to him. So words matter. Do you know how many words we speak in a day, the average person? Now, I know this is hard to measure, but they say, they researchers say, we speak about 7,000 words a day. 7,000 words. Now, if you thought it was more than that or less than that, I mean, even if you are going high or low in that category, think about it. There is nothing that we do in a day that, that we do that many times. Even half of that, even a quarter of that. We spend 7,000 words a day. Those words matter. What we say, how we say it, those words are a gift and a huge mark of wisdom is guarding our words. All 7,000 of those words need to be guarded if we want to live in wisdom. We're talking about living through the noise. And today we're talking about speaking through the noise. There's, there's so many words coming at us every single day, every minute, every second, right? You watch Hamilton, you're just getting bombarded with words and content, content, content. Now you spread that out over a day, over a week, over a month, over a year. We are saturated. How do we filter all of that noise, all of those words, and then contribute to rest of the noise in the world that's coming in a way that will bring good, not bad, <laughs> to the world around us. It should make you want to just shut your mouth a little bit. But that's not the answer either. Some of us d default to that too. We're like, well, I'm just not going to say anything ever again. That's not the answer. God has something to say to us about our words. And I would say this, the, the biggest thing that we learn and understand about words is that they have power. They are powerful. And, and, and just like anything with power, power can be used for good and it can be used for evil. It can be used to help. It can be used to hurt. I, I, don't, I don't know what you think about when you think of, of power, something that's powerful. One of the most obvious examples to me is like our son, not families, like S-U-N, like the son. The son is powerful, right? I mean, it, it gives life to the earth, energy, heat, visibility. Without it, we can't live for a second. But, and, and that's good. That's what we need. But also, if we're not careful, the sun can be deadly. I got very pale skin. When I, I've had doctors tell me at one point, like, yeah, you probably just need to wear sunscreen every day. I was like, are you kidding? Like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so we're going to have to figure something else out. But it's true. When I go to the beach, when I'm out, and especially now in summertime, if I don't handle the sun with care, it will go badly for me. Sun is powerful. It can bring life, but it can also bring death. I was researching, uh, I was looking at, 
I was fascinated with how energy is created. And, and, you know, we don't deal with this as much, but in other areas of the country, there are dams, right, that, that hold water. And those, the water then produces power to, to you know, a, a certain amount of people. And I was looking at the Hoover Dam, which holds, I, I mean, it's, it's, it seems ridiculous, but 10 trillion gallons of water it, it holds back. And all of that water... Is, is channeled and harnessed through these turbines, and those turbines, they spin, and it produces energy for millions of people, like 1.3 million people. But if that dam breaks and all that water is released and it is unrestrained, that power will bury. There's enough water there to bury the state of Connecticut 10 feet deep. Now, Connecticut's nowhere near there. I, I, I get that. That's, that's not the point. Words have power. And that power in the hands of a wise person can bring amazing things. But that power in the hands of a fool is devastation. And that's the, the dynamic Proverbs gives us. That's wisdom. Wisdom is, is this setup between the wise and the foolish wise person and the fool. You think about something smaller, right? We don't talk about dams or the sun. Think about a knife. A knife in the hands of a wise person can, can create life and bring healing. You think of like a surgeon. They, it cuts in exactly where it needs to go, and it, it, it brings the very thing you want it to do cleanly and effectively. But a knife in the hands of a fool brings disaster, devastation, Pain. My hands are unfortunately full of scars so, from knives, so I, I guess I'm a fool. When I was younger, I'd play with knives and not treat them with the care and the respect they need, and I have stabbed myself, I have sliced off pieces of my skin. I mean, literally, they're, they're all over my hands, and I wasn't even doing anything important, just being foolish. The wise and the fool, how they handle life is everything. How they handle their words is one of the most important things that we can talk about. It, Proverbs talks more about the words and how we speak than it does anything else. More than money, more than work, more than relationships, more than family. And often we just don't realize how impacting our words can be. Or we do realize it and we just don't care. Because we think people will get over it. Words have the power to do an amazing amount of damage. James in the New Testament James, his letter in the New Testament would be considered wisdom literature in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, wisdom literature would be Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. In the New Testament, it looks a little different, but the letter James wrote is really re focusing on wisdom. And look at what he says. This is some of the most intense language in all of the New Testament. He says, so the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, 
staining the whole body, setting fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the image of and likeness of him. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Read that again and again and again. Go back to it. And you might be like, man, James, relax. Like, this, is, this is super intense. But why is he so fired up? Why does he care? Why so, why so intense? Because that's the kind of power our words have. And you're like, Adam, I, I, I get it, right? You're saying the same thing over and over and over again. Yes, because I don't think we get it. Not enough. 7,000 words a day. That means 7,000 opportunities every day to bring destruction through our words or 7,000 opportunities every day to bring life and goodness and healing to the world around us. I mean, you talk, James talks about how, how the tongue is like a fire and it, it, it sets a blaze, a forest. And you think about forests and how long it takes for trees to grow, years and decades, centuries even. And with one strike of a match, all of it will go down in seconds. And we, often, we don't realize the, the power and the devastation that our words bring, how long it takes to build somebody up with encouragement and words, and how quickly, in a second, the wrong word will tear someone down. James says, everything else in the world can be tamed, but no one can tame the tongue. And then James, he connects our words to wisdom. And I don't have it for you, but he says it. He's in the next verse, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? He's like, he sets up this whole paradigm of how destructive the tongue can be. And he says, listen, you want to understand wisdom? Understand the tongue. Understand how we talk. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Right? That was an old saying. It's, it's the biggest lie. Words hurt. They cut. They've, they've shown in children who have grown up in verbally abusive homes that their brains are scarred. They don't function the same way. They're developmentally delayed. Things that they only used to think happened with physically abused children, now they're finding more and more that the words that are spoken are as damaging or more damaging. And it's not just kids, right? We all can understand that when words are spoken to us, we would much rather often just get punched in the face than have a word that's negative come at you and hurtful and tear you down because physical wounds, they heal internal wounds, go for a long, long, long time. We have a responsibility to guard our words because God has shown us the, the beauty and the power of the tongue. And he gives, us a, he gives us this category for how to consider the power of our words. And it's this, it's this word rash. 
R-A-S-H. Proverbs 12, 18 says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. That word rash, it means reckless. It means careless. There is, this is a category that we need to understand that, that there, we speak 7,000 words a day, and how many of our words are just thrown out there without even thinking about it? They're reckless. They're careless. We just wanted to get something off our chest, or we just had to, had, had to let our opinion be known, and they're thrown out there. And he says, I want you to think about those words as razor blades shooting from you into the body of another person. And this is thousands of years ago, this was written, where the only way you would hear from someone else is like to walk to their house, talk. Think now how we are just reckless, careless with the words that come out of our mouth, and this is the epitome of the wise and the fool comparison. This is one of those warnings where destruction and devastation can come from careless, reckless, thoughtless words. And sometimes we just, this is human nature, we, we hide behind things like personality, where we'll say something like, well, it's just, it's just who I am. Don't, don't take offense. It's just, it's just my way. Uh, yeah, I know I'm a little bit harsh, but it's just, it's just the way I was raised, and it's just how I am. Don't, don't think too much about it. No, no, no. <laughs> that is, it's unacceptable. It's not okay. We need to see the power of rash words, and we have to, we have to take it on ourselves to think about how does God see that, and what does he want me to do with it, and change and not hide behind those things. Because it's, yeah, there's a lot of things about the way that we are that are just not okay. Jesus said, said on the last day, on the, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak. Now, if you're, you're like, Adam, what does that mean? We don't have time to talk about what all that means. I'll just say this. Just let it sit there and sink in. It doesn't mean you're going to go and he's going to count how many bad words you had and say, all right, let me see if that's enough to get to heaven or not. That's not it. That's not how it goes. But just let the, let the simplicity of that, and you want to go back and read Matthew 12, Jesus saying, your words are important, and every careless word, every reckless word that you throw out, I am, we're, we're going to have some kind of discussion about that. You're like, Adam, well, what about free speech? I'm American, man. I have the freedom to say whatever I want, whenever I want it. It's a beautiful privilege and freedom that we have in this country, and we want to take that seriously and, and, and live in that and be thankful to God for the freedom that we have. But understand this, that our freedoms that we have in this country are, are gifts to us, and they are not to be abused, and they always come underneath the, the, the beauty and the majesty and the law of the, of the country we are really a part of, which is God's kingdom and his His word, we come underneath his word. And so he has, he has clearly told us that the words that we speak 
come underneath his authority first and foremost. And that we give up certain rights because our rights aren't determined just by the country we live in. They're determined by who our God is and what he communicates to us as to how we speak and to what we say. And so we just stop. We don't get the opportunity it's not our right to just blurt out and say whatever is on our mind whenever we want. Proverbs helps us. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool gives vent, full vent, to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. There it is again. Fool, wise, fool, wise. The, the fool just says, ah, I'm just going to let it out. You do with it what you want. Fool is rash and careless and reckless. See, this right here helps us to stop saying things like, ah, don't be so sensitive. Is that true sometimes? Sometimes are we, are we overly sensitive to what someone else will say to us? Sure, that's, that's a reality. But that's not where we start can you imagine every conversation I had with my kids or with my wife, my family, the people I love most in the world, if I just let it all out anytime I felt like, and they would say, ah, this is hurting my feelings, and I'd be like, ah, stop being so sensitive, stop being so sensitive, stop being so sensitive. That's no relationship. Because the reality is, based on What's going on in all of us is that there are things that want to come out that should not come out. And I value the love and relationship of my family, of my children, my wife, with one another, that I care more about that than just me getting things off of my chest. And so the wise person holds it back. The New Testament calls it self-control. But we can't hide behind, oh, this is just who I am, or it's your fault, you're too sensitive, you can't handle the, it's not it. The tongue of the wise brings healing. It's verse 18. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Why? Why does the tongue of the wise bring healing? Because the wise person cares more about healing than being right. The wise person cares less about being right and winning an argument and more about the, the value of the person that they're dealing with, the, the life that's before them, made in God's image, the created power of God in another human being, the dignity that that person deserves, we care about that more than being right. Does that mean you never share your opinion or, or have a conversation where, where you're conflicting ideas? No, of course not. But this is, that's not generally our problem. Generally, our problem is I want to win. I want to be right. And I am going to squash you in order to make that happen. And God's like, no, no, no. Care more about the other person and their heart and their healing than you do about being right or winning an argument. And here's the reason we do that is because that's what God did for us. Jesus, on the cross, final breaths, last things he says are what? Father, forgive them. 
used several of his 7,000 words. I don't know if Jesus talked that much. Final breaths, to not win the argument, to not be right, but to care more of his people, his children, than his own life. He says, Father, forgive them. What would it do for our world for our church, for our family, if we cared more for healing than for hurting, more for healing than for winning, more for healing than for being right. Do you know three words, three simple words, the easiest three words that are kind of the pathway for healing? I'm sorry. I am sorry. Three simple words that are the beginning point to healing, and not just the words, right? Because the words can be cheap, but, but the words are vocalizing something going on in us that where we realize from time to time, we are wrong, we have done wrong to someone else, and we will say, I am sorry. And the healing that that begins and brings into a relationship is unbelievable. Why? Why is it so hard for us to do that? Why is it so hard for us to speak words of life, words of healing to one another? Because sometimes I think we just go, I got nothing, Adam. I, I, uh, the well is dry. There, is, there isn't enough in me to speak anything kind, anything nice to somebody else. My words are are dry. I got nothing. And my, my mom said, if I don't have no, something nice to say, don't say anything at all. And we just, so I'm not saying anything. Why does that start to happen in us? Jesus said it. It's a part of a much bigger context, but he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He said, out of the abundance of what's going on inside here, that's what comes out. So when you blurt out something terrible or profane or name-calling or whatever it is, and you're like, you want to blame the other person for that, like, you always do. You bring this out of me. You're the one. Jesus is like, mm -mm, nope, it's actually in you. <laughs> it's in you. It's just being shaken out of you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so look, if you never have anything good to say, then something is going on inside your heart. Okay, something, if you can't ever find something gracious to say to somebody else, if you can't say something kind to your spouse, to your kids, to your friend, to your boss, to your coworker, if all that ever comes out of you is criticism and ugliness and sarcasm and gossip and slander and lies, if all that is happening, then it's, it's, not the circumstances in the world around you. It's something inside that needs to be changed. I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come on up.
It's not just your personality. It's not just the circumstances. There is something going on between you and God. And he is saying, look, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You need to start abundantly filling your heart with something greater than what you're doing. And that's the invitation for all of us is come to God. He says, come to me. Fill your life with words that will fill you more of me. And I'm going to tell you, there's only one place I know for sure that you'll only get God's word. And that's his Bible. That's the Bible. You're not going to find it. on the news, okay? You're not going to find it on Facebook. You'll find pieces of it. We have to start here with him, only him. It is the only thing that we can do to start filling up this thing so that when the shaking comes, which it comes, and it's, it's here, right? I mean, it's, it's, we're getting shaken to death, all over the place, so much happening. What's coming out is a reflection of what is going on in our hearts. And I'm telling you, God is, is calling us to think deeper and more carefully about our words and what we say, what we speak. And it's not just related to the issues that we're dealing with right now. It is for a life where there will be more and more and more strange things, unsettling things, challenging times that are going to require us to, in those moments, say, wise or fool, rash or self-controlled. So let me give you just a couple categories as we finish. Through the noise, in the middle of all the noise, wisdom speaks, right? That's the whole premise of, of this series. So, for this particular topic, as we think about the tongue, is what we, how we speak. Wise words are life-giving, not life-taking. Intentional, not irrational. Charitable, not cheap. And let me just say this. There is so much we could talk about with this. And it is hard to harness this into just a few things. And I don't want to spend weeks upon weeks talking about this one topic. But this is probably at the forefront everything that we're dealing with right now. Words, speaking, tongue is a problem. Wise words are life-giving, not life-taking. Just think about that. Let the words that come out of your mouth be there to give life to the other person, not to drain life. We are all a mess. We don't need more criticism. We need more words of life. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Don't you just want that? There's so much anxiety, so much fear, so much going on in our world. It's like a good word makes the other person glad. Let's be people of life-giving words. What are life-taking words? Words that are critical just overly, constantly, unceasingly critical, harsh, abusive, that will steal the life out of others. But living words, life-giving words are gracious and humble. 
encouraging, truthful. There's a lot we can say there. I want you to think through those things. Intentional, not irrational. What do I mean by that? I mean, this is kind of that idea of rash. That we want our words to be careful. They're intentional. There's a purpose, a good, godly, healing purpose in the words that we speak. That our words are filtered. Right? We hold back some things. As it comes in, it doesn't just come out and unload on the world around us. No, we think through it. We're careful. We're not rash. We're not reckless. Intentional means that you're seeking understanding. Let the words that come out be intentionally, like you're, you're really trying to find out what, what is happening. So in order to do that, you have to ask questions. You have to let your tone indicate that you really want understanding. You adjust so that others can receive or hear from you in a way that will be life-giving. Paul said in Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion. Man, let's build up. Let's fight against corrupting talk. James says, he says, I want you to be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. This is what we need to be filling our minds with, our hearts with. And then charitable, not cheap. What do I mean by that? Charitable, not cheap. It means our words, wisdom, wise words, are believing the best. They're charitable. They're generous. We're going to let all of that stuff, the intentionality, the good stuff, flow from us. We're not going to hold back good things from people. We're going to restrain the, the wickedness, the evil, but we're going to let flow gracious, wonderful, life-giving, encouraging, building talk to others. Let me tell you this, it, it's not easy because it hurts. It's a sacrifice to live this way. It's a sacrifice to talk this way. It costs us to hold back. It does. You're like, but it's not fair. I need justice. I want vengeance. And my words are going to be part of that. And God's like, no, no, just, you need to hold your words back. Yeah, you're going to absorb some things. But this is going to be a reflection of how much you trust me. Look, cheap words are easy. They're easy. They don't take much thought. They just come out. They're like cheap shots, right? There's a reason we call it a cheap shot. It means when no one's looking, it take, gives you, you have, you have no thought involved. You're just, you're hitting someone without any defense. That's what cheap words are. And right now, there's a lot of cheap words going out. Charitable words bring together. They unite. They heal. Cheap words, they divide. They separate. They bring destruction. What are examples of cheap words? Sarcasm. No argument has ever been won using sarcasm. Stop. Gossip. Nothing will split a church, a community, a state, a country, a world more than gossip. Gossip will do more damage than just about anything else. Slander, lying. God is, God, God is calling us to grab a hold 
of the things that come out of our mouths. He's calling us for wisdom. He's calling us to live a life that honors him because this is how he loves us, how he calls us, how he saves us. Imagine what we would be, who we would be as a church, as a city, as a country, as a world. If we could restrain the tongue, if we could recognize the power the tongue has and harness that for God's glory. I'm just going to close with this. Paul said, this is kind of the umbrella for us. Let this marinate in you as the week goes on. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This is our, these are our marching orders from God. This is going to be your steadfast love and righteousness bound around your neck. Let your speech be gracious, seasoned. Let's pray. God, we hear you. Change us. Oh, Lord. We're grateful for the life that has been given to us through your word that you have spoken. You said, let there be light, and there was light. You said, let there be life, was life. There is power in the word. Help us, God, to be your people who speak light and life. Teach us to hold our tongue, to show self-control, so that you might be glorified with the things that come out of our mouths and that we might walk in wisdom to show world who we serve. We give it to you, God. Help us. As James says, no man can tame the tongue. And that's that's the truth. You can tame the tongue. You can bring change into our lives. Help us, God, to be able to speak way through the noise that glorifies you and brings life and healing to those around us. We pray in Christ's name.